MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, April 24th, 2020. Today, a former Labradoodle breeder is tapped to lead the U.S. Pandemic Task Force. Trump threatened to fire the CDC Chief of Respiratory Diseases in February. Blood clots are complicating coronavirus treatment. Rick Scott is accused of making the Florida unemployment process cumbersome on purpose. And Mitch McConnell refers to federal aid states as blue state bailouts as Cuomo fires back. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hey, how are you? I am doing well. I did a stroll in my car today. It was beautiful. The city is as lovely as ever. There's a giant Disney cruise ship in our bay that I or harbor that I uh, am confused about why it's there. Have you heard about that? Um, has it been there before? Have you been driven? To, have you driven down and not seen it before? I have not. I, but then again, I haven't really been out driving. But yeah, I saw it and I was like, that can't. That's obviously not active, right? Maybe it's just like docked there. I guess. Yeah, it probably parked and then everyone had to disembark and fly home or whatever. Um, yeah. Because I know that there's no news about um, a, you know any kind of cruise that was out that was trying to come to you know dock in San Diego. Um, yeah. I'm sure we would have heard about that. Yeah, totally. Anyway, good day. Just exploring from my vehicle. Vehicle. Yes. Well, cool. Went for a walk in your car. That's so California. <laughs> I know. I had my four wheels take me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> As it fed me grapes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Roll your windows down a little bit for the air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And the air is so clean right now. It's just, it's fabulous. Yeah. And it's warm. It is like our warmest weekend. Yeah, it's it's got in the eighties eighties today. Um, I listened to the Newsom press conference today while I was driving around. I was just gonna say that um, somebody came up from some doctor came up to to support Trump's theory that heat and sunlight kill the virus or like debilitate it, and so. And what's interesting is, is I'm like, okay, well, that would be cool. I mean, it would come back up in the in the winter if that were the case. But again, do we believe anything that comes out of mm-hmm. this White House? Yeah. You know, especially if Trump said it before and is now just probably forcing somebody to back him up on it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be great if it were true. Um I'm I'm just uh, at a wait and see point with with facts uh, as far as this administration is concerned. But we do have a great show today. We have uh, we have you, and I'm very pleased about that. <laughs> I, I I I love speaking with you. Me as well. And uh, you're going to be back later, later for the good news. <laughs> yeah, yes, I will. The, and the confessional. And I'll be speaking with former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti about protecting the vote in 2020 and a discussion he had with a former. Um, FEC chair uh, who he's working together with uh, to try to make sure we're able to vote uh, in November, you know, amid the whole coronavirus thing. And I think yesterday, I think I called today Wednesday. (laughs) I think I said, I think I said Wednesday, April 23rd um, in today's Daily Beans. And so, oops, that's the second or third time that's happened since quarantine, um, which is weird because uh, I'm still doing the daily show. Like, I don't know why the lockdown makes me forget what day it is. I- I'm still here in my house doing the show every day uh, like I was before. Yeah. Yeah, there is something. I mean... Our lives didn't really have much of a 9 to 5 Monday through Friday structure to them for a little bit anyways, but there definitely is something about how we're living life now which makes it virtually impossible to know if it's even a weekday versus a weekend. The, the best I can figure out is we would have engagements, right? We would have shows, like we would have um, Tiger Tiger on Thursdays, right? And we had, you know... We had shows on certain nights that we would go to on weekly, Venice Underground on Wednesday. I think we sort of kept our days straight by those shows. And, you know, whether we were on them or not, we knew somebody who was. And uh, I think that that's how that I think that's probably how I'm not keeping track of the days as well. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we do have a lot of news uh, today. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, so Jordan, what do you have for us today? You've got some updates. Yeah, just a few updates here. Some major headlines. Uh, we got some some Trump Kemp beef, which sounds like an actual kind of beef. Um, it's the, the, <laughs> the governor. Mm. Yes, the, the governor of uh, Georgia, Brian Kemp. He's been getting adequate shit from people all over the country because he's trying to reopen his state's economy and. Doing it uh, haphazardly so is the fear and probably the reality. And Trump actually criticized him today during his briefing. He said, I want the states to open more than he does, much more than he does. But I didn't like to see spas at this early age, nor did the doctors. <laughs> that's a funny, <laughs> that's just a funny word to to choose. <laughs> I guess um, what the, the list of things they're opening is fitness centers, bowling alleys, body art studios, barbers, hair and nail salons, and massage therapy businesses. And those he all wants to reopen as well as in-person religious services as early as Friday, the 24th, as in tomorrow. Uh, yeah, and I don't, I don't know how you get a massage therapist service without, uh, with social distancing or a haircut or like I just imagine <laughs> somebody with like a, like a, like one of those like little plastic shark grabby guys with scissors yes. in his mouth and, and they're like standing far away with a comb on a long stick and like yeah <laughs> that'll be great hand. trying to maneuver the dexterity of scissors taped to a PVC pipe just trying to like. <laughs> desperately not hit them upside the side of the head let alone With stab their freaking brains out <laughs> and there's and there's i just imagine these long pvc pipes with tiny baby doll hands duct taped onto the end of them yes with, like holding scissors <laughs> i don't know why that's what i have in my head <laughs> that's so true that's like yeah how are you gonna maybe like if there's a robot massage parlor that'd be pretty sick and futuristic that would uh That'd be pretty cool. Some people should do that anyway. But maybe, yeah, a, a whole salon of massage, massage chairs. <laughs> or maybe maybe they'll just, maybe they'll have humans sit in a chair and then lay a piece of leather on top of them. Then the person sits down. Then they massage the person. A human <laughs> massage chair. That also could work. <laughs> or just lay the chair on top of you. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, needless needless to say, uh, that also struck Trump even as something that's dumb and probably not necessary right now. I shouldn't say dumb because these are people's jobs that obviously they've lost and, and they need to get back as soon as is safe, but it doesn't seem to be like a safe idea right now. Trump went on to say, frankly, I didn't like to see a lot of things happening and I wasn't happy with it. And I wasn't happy with Brian Kemp. I wasn't at all happy. I could have done something about it if I wanted to, but I am saying let the governors do it. But I wasn't happy with Brian Kemp. So, mm. there you go. Mm. Trying to come out semi on the right side of history on one issue ever, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yesterday he was he, yesterday he was kind of soft on it like, well, let him do what he wants, but but like he went all out again today. So, mm-hmm. it's interesting. It is interesting and it's good. I'm fucking all for that. I, I hate the guy, but whatever you say that's going to keep people safe, I, I can support that when, when that happens. Uh, obviously, he needs to be consistent with that messaging, and he's not, which makes it very hard to receive as a positive moment in time. But objectively, I think it is good for his base to see him criticizing someone that's trying to just haphazardly open like that. Also, Tennessee starting to open up. Their governor, Bill Lee, announced in a conference that uh, he announced today that restaurants and retail outlets would be allowed to reopen. He said, we want to have the majority of businesses open before May 1st. We are working around the clock to get Tennesseans safely back to work in 89 of our counties with the majority of businesses in a position to begin opening their doors next week. He went on to say, though, not every industry will be in a position to open safely immediately. Apparently, restaurants are going to be opened at 50% capacity, and that's allowed on Monday. And on Wednesday, retail outlets are also allowed to open at 50% capacity. This is all according to the governor himself. Uh, and then they also announced most of the state parts, state parks excuse me, would be open Friday morning. So Tennessee is going hard. 
I'm curious. Uh, I mean, everyone's going to be very curious to see what happens in these states that are kind of diving into this in a manner that seems preemptive. But obviously, best of luck to these states. If they're going to do it, I wish them the best. I wish they wouldn't do it like this. But hopefully, you know, there's enough guidelines and rules packed into those reopening of restaurants in related you know, relation to things like disposable menus or, or the servers wearing masks. And, and I've seen, you know, even like maybe some more draconian measures kind of like taking everyone's temperature when they walk in. I don't know about that whole thing. Point being, hopefully there's a lot of other addendum rules that are going to go with this reopening that's coming at a time when Trump himself, seamlessly moving into my next headline, said he might have to push mm. back social distancing uh, to pass May 1st. So... This May 1st date is something everybody was, you know, talking about, thinking that's, you know, what they could set their eyes on is when things start to get back to normal. But uh, Trump is saying that he, that it might be pushed back. Then we're just going to have to see how that goes. Uh, He says, we may go beyond that. People are going to know just out of common sense. But until we feel safe, we are going to be extending, he said. So. Good. It is good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting to see, you know, some of those states that are normally diehard Trump states actually, you know, at a point of contention with him. It's almost something I thought I'd never see, but. Well, they, they're also politicians and they aren't stupid. And they saw that 76% of Americans think it's dumb to open back up and mm-hmm. 70% of those are independents and 55% of them are Republicans. And so they're like, oh, 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 you know, maybe we should, uh, not, uh, lose the voters on this. Yeah, it's very interesting to see how two political parties assess a situation that is not political in nature inherently. Like something is like who gets money and how, you know, it's it's this is a disease that has happened to us, essentially. Um, and how do we deal with it like that? It, it's really fascinating to me just thinking of human behavior, you know, perspective to see how people fit their bipartisan political views into something that should be an objective medical question. It's so interesting. And I think it's really fascinating to see people that are Republicans and see people who are Democrats sort of start crisscrossing over these political sidelines that are, you know, lines being drawn in the sand somehow very quickly uh, when it should really be a non-political issue. Yeah. And a little bit later, I talked to Renato Mariotti and and the guy who he has on his podcast, um, last name Potter, former chair of the FEC, is a Republican. And he's like, we need to have mail voting, like vote by mail because of COVID. And he's like screaming about this, too. So that hopefully will become a, a, a nonpartisan issue as well. Mm-hmm, definitely. And speaking of nonpartisan issues, uh, they passed Congress, passed the $480 billion relief package, and Trump is saying that he hopes to sign it tonight. That would be Thursday night. The package is going to deliver aid to small businesses and hospitals and expand COVID-19 testing. Um, it, it's, it passed 388 to 5, and that's obviously overwhelming support from all sides. Uh, Four Republicans and one Democrat voted against it. Uh, Justin Amash voted present. He's an independent. And the people who voted no was AOC uh, for the Democrats. And for Republicans, Reps Andy Biggs, Ken Buck, Jody Heiss, and Thomas Massey. So I figured Massey would vote against it. And I think AOC voted against it because it didn't go far enough. Exactly. It probably didn't allot money to the communities that are being disproportionately hit right now or something in a satisfactory way that would be my guess but um but i didn't look into that yet but i i will because i think you're right uh but those are just some headlines for covid stuff today and that's all i got well awesome thank you for sharing you're welcome your updates i appreciate it Uh, And everybody stick around because coming up next, we've got uh, a big fat news block followed by the interview after that. And then, of course, Jordan's going to be back for the good news block. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
Hey everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Third Love, the makers of my favorite bra ever, the best fitting bras ever created for people. These days, we all want quality and individuality, items custom crafted just for you, not some cookie cutter mass produced generic junk that you find off the rack that never fits right. And Third Love does this. They design bras to fit you specifically, not the other way around. A lot of women fall in between cup sizes. I'm one of those women, and it can be very difficult to find the perfect fit, but not with Third Love. They have over 80 bra sizes, including their signature half cup sizes. So you're you're sure to find the exact right fit for you. Uh, check out their Fit Finder quiz online. Just a couple of minutes, you can find the ideal bra. Third Love factors in cup size and breast shape when finding you the perfect bra. And they use metadata from 14 million other women who've taken the quiz to find that perfect fit. And every Third Love bra is made with lightweight, super thin memory foam cups, and they mold to your shape. They're so comfortable. No slip straps. There's no digging and a scratch-free band. No itching, no tag. Uh, every detail is designed with the ultimate comfort in mind. So with Third Love's perfect fit promise, you have 60 days to wash it, wear it, and try it. And if it's not the perfect fit and you don't love it, returns and exchanges are free and easy in their customer service is second to none. Third Love donates all their gently used bras to to people in need, and so far they've donated over $15 million in bras. Uh, and they support charities all over the United States. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash dailybeans now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash dailybeans for 15% off today. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Um, so this is not a joke or an Onion article. This is from Reuters. On January 21st, the day the U.S. first U.S. case of coronavirus was reported, the Secretary of Department of Health and Human Services appeared on Fox News to report the latest on the disease as it ravaged China. Alex Azar, a 52-year-old lawyer and former drug industry exec, assured Americans the U.S. government was prepared. While coronavirus in Wuhan, China was potentially serious, he assured viewers it was uh, one for which we have a playbook. His initial comments misfired on two fronts. Uh, like many U.S. officials, from Trump on down, he underestimated the pandemic's severity. He also overestimated his agency's preparedness. So, you know, I mean, he, he overpromised and under, under-delivered. You, you always want it to have be the other way around. And now it's widely known, uh, Reuters continues, two agencies Azar oversaw at HHS, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the Food and Drug Administration, wouldn't come up with viable tests for five and a half weeks, even as other countries at the, uh, at the World Health and the World Health Organization had already prepared their own. Shortly after his televised comments, he tapped a trusted aide with minical, minimal public health experience to lead the agency's day-to-day response to COVID-19. The aide, Brian Harrison, had joined the department after running a dog breeding business for six years. Five sources say some officials in the White House derisively called him the dog breeder. Azar and his top deputies oversaw health agencies that were slow to alert the public to the magnitude of the crisis uh, to produce a test to tell if patients to tell patients if they were sick and to provide protective masks to hospitals, even as doctors and nurses begged for them. The first test created by the CDC meant to be used by other labs was plagued by a glitch that rendered it useless and wasn't fixed for weeks. It wasn't until March that tests by other labs went into production. The lack of tests limited hospitals' ability to monitor the health of patients and staff, according to the HHS Inspector General in a report out this month. The equipment shortage put staff and patients at risk. Um, and a promised virus surveillance program failed to take root, uh, and despite assurances Azar gave to Congress. And rather than share information, three current and three former government officials told Reuters Azar and top staff sidelined key agencies that could have played a higher profile, profile role in addressing the pandemic. It was a mess, said a White House of- official who worked with HHS. Before joining the Trump administration in January of 2018, the dog breeder, uh, his official HHS biography, said he ran a small business in Texas. That biography does not disclose the name or nature of that business, but his personal financial disclosure forms show that from 2012 to 2018, he ran a company called Dallas Labradoodles. So there we go. Um, and hey, I love me a Labradoodle. One of my neighbors has one uh, named Ozzy, and it's an awesome dog. Um, but this is just zero public health experience. And people, in, even in Trump's White House, call him the dog breeder. So it sounds like a, a, a show on Netflix. And the new Department of Health and Human Services public affairs spokesman, Michael fucking Caputo, recently deleted his entire Twitter history. And CNN has found out why. In a series of tweets just this past March, I think it was March 12th, Caputo tweeted some pretty racist shit. He said, millions of Chinese suck the blood out of rabid bats as an appetizer and eat the ass out of anteaters. That is your new Department of Health and Human Services public affairs spokesman. He's in charge of communications. 
Caputo is a friend of Roger Stone, who was just sentenced to 40 months in prison and denied a retrial uh, by Judge Jackson, if you're nasty. Uh, And he'll be in prison for seven felony counts. And he was interviewed by the Mueller team. Caputo was. Roger Stone, seven felony counts. Caputo, interviewed by the Mueller team. When asked for a comment, Caputo said, fair game, dude. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me at all. Excellent communication strategy. I'm so glad he's in charge of that. And according to the Wall Street Journal, Trump nearly fired Dr. Nancy Massanier for her comments in February. If you remember, she was the CDC official that issued the first dire warning about coronavirus, saying it's not a matter of if, but when, and it will have massive, a massive impact on the U.S. And, our, and the citizens, including business and school closures, stay-at-home orders. Americans need to start planning for that, how to figure out child care. Uh, and, and it was her warning that tanked the stock market as Trump was flying home from Davos. I think it was Davos or India. Anyway, he was really mad about that. Apparently, he almost fired her. And uh, starting the next day, Dr. Massanier no longer appeared at public briefings of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. The president and the White House sent a clear message to scientists in the government saying there would be a price for speaking out and speaking up. And from the Washington Post, and this is both fascinating and terrifying, a mysterious blood clotting complication known as, or a a mysterious blood clotting complication is killing COVID patients. And this is from the Post. They say, quote, Craig Coopersmith was up early that morning, as usual, and typed his daily inquiry into his phone. Good morning, Team COVID, he wrote, asking for updates from the ICU team leaders working across 10 different hospitals in the Emory University Health System in Atlanta. One doctor replied that, One of his patients had a strange blood problem. Despite being put on anticoagulants, the patient was still developing clots. A second said she'd seen something similar, and then a third, and then soon every person on the text chat had reported the same thing. Doctors are describing patients with startlingly low oxygen levels, so low they would normally be unconscious or near death, um, taking and swiping on their phones. Uh, Asymptomatic pregnant women are suddenly in cardiac arrest. Patients who, by all conventional measures, seem to have a mild disease deteriorating within minutes and dying at home. With no clear patterns in terms of age or chronic conditions, some scientists hypothesize that at least some of these abnormalities may be explained by severe changes in the patient's blood. The concern is so acute, some doctors' groups have raised the controversial possibility of giving preventive blood thinners to everyone with COVID-19, even those well enough to endure their illness at home. Blood clots, in which the red liquid turns gel-like, appear to be the opposite of what occurs in Ebola, dengue, Lassa, and other hemorrhagic fevers that lead to uncontrolled bleeding. But they are actually part of the same phenomenon, and it can have a similar devastating consequence. And autopsies have shown some people's lungs fill with hundreds of microclots. Errant blood clots of larger sizes can break off and travel to the brain or heart, causing stroke or heart attack. On Saturday, Broadway actor Nick Cordero, uh, aged 41, had his right leg amputated after being infected with the novel coronavirus and suffering from clots that blocked blood from getting to his toes. Lewis Kaplan, University of Pennsylvania physician and head of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, said, Every year, doctors treat people with clotting complications, from those with cancer to victims of severe trauma, but they don't clot like this. The problem we are having, he says, is that while we understand that there is a clot, we don't yet understand why there is a clot. We don't know, and therefore we're scared. Uh, Harlan Krumholtz, a cardiac specialist at the Yale New Haven Hospital Center, said no one knows whether blood complications are a result of a direct assault on blood vessels or hyperactive inflammatory response to the virus by the patient's immune system. Quote, one of the theories is that the body is so engaged in a fight against the invader, the body starts consuming the clotting factors, which can result in either blood clots or bleeding. In Ebola, the balance was more toward bleeding. In COVID-19, it's more toward clotting. So uh, there was a Dutch study published April 10th in the journal Thrombosis Research provided uh, some more evidence on this issue and saying it's widespread. They found 38 percent of 184 COVID-19 patients in an ICU had blood that clotted abnormally. The researchers called it a conservative estimation because many of the patients were still hospitalized and at risk of further complications. And early data uh, from, a China, from China on a sample of 183 patients showed more than 70% of patients who died from COVID-19 had small clots developed throughout their bloodstream. Although acute respiratory distress syndrome still appears to be the leading cause of death in COVID-19, um, blood complications are not far behind. Um, uh, for, this is according to um, Benud Bikdali, who's a fourth-year fellow at Columbia University Irving Medical Center. And, and this person helped anchor a paper about the blood clots in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology. 
And uh, they say, my guess is it's one of the top three causes of demise and deterioration in COVID-19 patients. So that is fascinating and terrifying at the same time. And next story here, as we know, states need federal money to prop them up during this crisis. And now Mitch McConnell is calling it a blue state bailout and encouraging blue states to file for bankruptcy if they don't have any money. A signal that he's not keen on giving the states any cash in the next round of stimulus, by the way. Uh, This is a negotiating position, and it's not a great one. We've seen cities in the past declare bankruptcy, but we've never seen a state uh, declare bankruptcy. And the process isn't easy. Some of the states... Um, where uh, that, you know, overspent, they were already overspent coming into this crisis, like Illinois, for example. But COVID-19 is a game changer for spending, and many of these states need help. But if you let one state go, if you let one state go bankrupt, it will raise the borrowing rate for the rest of the states, and that will not play well politically. And Cuomo, Governor Cuomo, fired back, saying one of the really dumb ideas of all time just came from Senator Mitch McConnell. His suggestion to let states go bankrupt makes no sense. He says he doesn't want a blue state bailout. 15,000 New Yorkers died. This is not a time for politics. Let's talk about fairness, Mitch. New York puts $116 billion more into the federal pot than we take out. Your state, Kentucky, takes $148 billion more out of the federal pot than they put in. But we don't deserve help now because the 15,000 people who died here were predominantly Democrats? And he has a very good point. And... Uh, 4.4 million new people applied for unemployment last week by bringing it brings the total to 26 million Americans unemployed. That's up from last week. And that's just in the last uh, month, not total. And that's up from last week. It was 6.6 million the first two weeks. Then it dropped to 3.3 million. And I was hoping last week would be lower again, but it went up. And inexplicably, the Dow is flat today. At least it's inexplicable to me. Kai Rizdal probably has the answer. I'll have to listen to Marketplace later. And from Natasha Bertrand, Daniel Lipman, and Laura Seligman at Politico, quote, the Pentagon and the intelligence community are more forcefully investigating the possibility that adversaries could use the novel coronavirus as a bioweapon, according to defense and intelligence officials. And this is a shift that reflects the national security apparatus uh, and its evolving understanding of the virus and its risks. The intelligence community is apparently also looking into the potential of foreign bad actors using COVID-19 against high-level targets. The Pentagon has not commented, uh, but their chemical and biological defense program continues to support coronavirus countermeasures, including testing, vaccines, masks, mask filters, screening machines. And officials are emphasizing they want you to know this does not mean they think the virus was created in a lab in Wuhan to be weaponized. And there is still no proof that that's where it originated in a lab in Wuhan, despite what some folks um, from the Trump camp want you to believe. So that's what's going on today. Uh, we we right back with the interview. We're going to discuss safe voting and how we can make that happen in November with uh, the on-topic podcast host and former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Beachbody On Demand. Right now, we are all stuck in quarantine, and it's important to stay active and keep moving, both physically and mentally. It's crucial to keep up the momentum and not sink into complacency. It's really good for my mental health to exercise, and you can work out and take classes in the comfort of your own home with Beachbody On Demand. Beachbody On Demand is the easy-to-use streaming service that gives you instant access to over 1,300 super effective workouts suited for anybody at any time. Beachbody On Demand is the best streaming workout platform. Um, They're the company behind P90X and uh, Insanity and the 21-Day Fix. So check out some of Beachbody's newest programs like Morning Meltdown 100 and 80-Day Obsession and start every day strong. Um, I am now doing the Monday Morning Meltdown 100, and I feel stronger. I feel better. uh, I I, I reward myself with coffee after I work out. And I feel like I've accomplished more before I, I have that coffee. So it really helps me out mentally. It sets me up for the day. Uh, with Beachbody On Demand, you'll get motivated by celebrity super trainers that you have access to hundreds of effective workouts for all fitness levels. With You can have weight training, cardio, yoga, and even dance workouts. Um, exercise on your schedule with workouts as short as 10 minutes that don't require any equipment. And so in the time it takes you to drive and park at the gym, which you can't do now anyway, you could be finished working out. Access anywhere, anytime, on the computer, on your tablet, on your smartphone. It is the best deal in fitness, and listeners of The Daily Beans can try it free right now. Our listeners can get a special free trial membership when you text Daily Beans to 303030. You will get full access to the entire platform for free. All the workouts, the nutrition information, and the support, totally free. Again, just text Daily Beans, one word, to 303030. 
Hey, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today for the interview is former federal prosecutor and host of the On Topic podcast, Renato Mariotti. Renato, thanks for agreeing to speak with me today. Absolutely. Always glad to be on. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you because I I wanted to discuss your latest episode of the On Topic podcast, which is an amazing episode with your guest, Trevor Potter, a former chair of the FEC and and how that's the Federal Elections Commission. And and you talked about how we're going to vote in November, you know, particularly amid the coronavirus epidemic and the potential shuttering of the United States Postal Service. Can you tell us a bit about what you discussed? Well, one thing's for sure. We actually have to go forward with an election this November because federal law sets the date for the election. The United States Constitution determines when the terms of Congress people uh, and the president end. So we have to go forward. And vote by mail is obviously going to be a big part of the solution. You know, Most states do have the option for a mail-in ballot, but 17 states require an excuse. And right now there is litigation pending in courts over whether or not being concerned about your own health is a valid excuse to request a mail ballot. But putting even aside sort of the issues of of the fact that the laws in a lot of states need to be changed to expand access to to vote by mail, there's just huge funding issues because states right now have budget issues. Obviously, their revenues are going down in the midst of uh, large unemployment and a recession. So, you know, one issue is, you know, how are they going to get enough mail ballots to send ballots to everyone? You know, they also really, to make sure that everyone has access to this, they need prepaid postage. Uh, They need to have, um, uh, you know, uh, enough infrastructure to accept all of the ballots that they are going to be getting uh, by Election Day and process all of them by Election Day so we can quickly get results to make sure they're they're counted. So there's a huge just funding issue that comes with vote by mail. And right now, states don't have the funding they need to implement this. And unfortunately, uh, Mitch McConnell's blocking efforts to expand funding for vote by mail and other important reforms that we could talk about uh, uh, that are needed uh, to make sure that we can vote safe in November. Yeah, and you need a post office as well. Um <laughs> For that, I mean, I'll let you know, there are a lot of uh, places, a lot of states that coordinate, you know, drive by, drop off, you know, uh, your ballot. But I mean, it's a huge undertaking and it's a huge effort. What did uh, Mr. Potter have to say about that? Yeah, you know, he, you know, one, I will say that, you know, he, one concern that he has, too, is just that there's this. We, you know, really, this needs to be sort of an an opt out system. In other words, we really need to make it so easy for people so that the the they get ballots that are sent to them. Everybody, every registered voter has a ballot that's sent to them, as opposed to uh, you know not being able to you know essentially having to go out of your way to request a ballot, which is what Republicans want right now. I mean, they basically want to make it so that we have fewer people vote because they think that's going to be in their interest, particularly in purple states. And, you know, frankly, uh, you know, we are in a, we're in an issue now, a, 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 a situation now where people who want to register to vote in many states can't because you need, you know, they don't have online registration. People, um, you know, as you point out, if the Postal Service doesn't exist because it doesn't have the funding it needs to stay afloat or if it's overwhelmed, it doesn't have the capacity to deal with this, we could have a situation where people believe that their ballots, uh, you know, have been cast and they actually aren't cast uh, or that people, you know, people's ability to make sure that their ballot is counted depends on their economic status because some people are going to have the ability to be on top of this and get it done early and and follow up in a way that that other people who are uh, still working essential jobs, for example, uh, aren't going to be able to do. So, uh, I mean, Mitch is going to block this. Obviously, the Republicans are going to block it. Um, Trump wouldn't sign it even if they did, leaving it up to state and local governments to take care of. I mean, is that the solution? What What is the solution? I think the solution is that assuming that we're not able to do anything at the federal level, which is, of course, the best step. I mean, the best thing is to build enough awareness and to make this a non have a nonpartisan, bipartisan call for federal funding uh, that's needed so that everyone can vote safely. Um, we, you have to be making an effort on the local level. So it's not just making sure that your vote by mail laws have changed in your state and expanding vote by mail, 
but also making sure that in-person voting, which is necessary for certain people, for example, some people who are disabled can't vote easily by vote by mail. People, for example, who are blind would rather vote uh, using, uh, you know, Braille or something like that. Or, you know, there's also, you know, people who, uh, for other reasons, are unable to vote by mail. Mm-hmm. You, you need to have facilities that are widespread, that are open early to ev- allow early voting, that make sure that there's enough room so that people aren't crowded and they can maintain social distancing. So the amount of funding that's needed is significant, and all of us need to be lobbying our state and local governments to be making these changes because it's done at the local level. So I've been working with Indivisible Illinois uh, on a vote on expanding vote by mail, and I would encourage other people who are listening to work with local groups in their area to make sure that they can get their state governments to make changes as well. So it's really up to it's really up to us um, at this point, uh, in you know, in cooperation with state and local governments, because um, you know I've been wondering about this myself. I called our registrar and said, what's what's the dealio? And he goes, well, if you want to vote by mail, just go here, do this. And I did. And and, and I'm set to do that. But I don't think that that's the case in a lot of red states where we're going to need those blue votes. I mean, if you want to get political about it. Absolutely. I mean, one one thing I will say is I would like to think that there's going to be some Republicans, maybe not at the national level, but on the local level who are going to see this issue. You know, one thing that Mr. Potter talked about is that certain states like Utah and Idaho that are red states are expanding vote by mail, despite the fact that they're Republican, because they perhaps they feel confident that the people are going to vote Republicans anyway, and they don't want anyone to be unsafe. And he, you know, he thinks that the biggest issue is going to be in purple states. But there you have an opportunity to potentially get some consensus. I mean, if you can get some percentage of Republicans won over Maybe activism at the local level can make a difference. And Mr. Potter is himself a Republican who was the uh, general counsel of both of McCain's uh, presidential campaigns. You know, it's possible um, that we might be able through activism to help people see that no one should have to risk their health and risk their life in order to vote. Yeah, I wish the Supreme Court felt the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. One thing I will say is a frustrating thing for me is that, you know, in a different world, the Supreme Court would essentially be a referee that would ensure that the rules are uh, uh, for voting and elections are fair. You know, if the if the Supreme Court just stays out of it and says we're leaving this up to the political branches, you have a situation like we have now where Mitch McConnell is essentially blocking legislation that would allow uh, that will impact which U.S. senators are going to get elected. It's essentially a way of entrenching his own power. Yeah, and we know we know what happened in Wisconsin. I mean, they they uh, for example, the uh, Judge Jill, the liberal judge who unseated the Trump-backed incumbent Kelly, won by a margin so large, a, lar- a margin you don't normally see, uh, which showed that Wis- Wisconsinites were willing to go out and take a health risk to vote. Um, but that just shouldn't be the way that it is. And now I think we've got 19 um, known cases of coronavirus from Milwaukee voters. Yeah, it is really unfortunate. But, you know, one thing I will say is, you know, that you can see there in terms of a bit of hope is that despite the fact that that Republicans in Wisconsin are blocking efforts to get ballots to voters statewide, Milwaukee City Council voted to send a ballot to every single voter in in Milwaukee. And I think that's an important point, which is no matter where you live, you know, hopefully you can find some, you know, level of government that you're able to petition and you're able to make a difference at to get ballots out to people. And the way I look at it is this is just about our rights as Americans and this is what this country is all about. And of course, as you're pointing out, I mean, it can make such a difference there. It swung uh, a seat on the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court. Obviously, in November, the stakes are, are much larger than that. Yeah, yeah, they they really are. And I mean, you know, we've always just assumed that vote by Republicans don't want vote by mail because it would it would hurt them and benefit Democrats. But that may not be the case. It, it really depends on how it all shakes out. And, you know, different demographics of different voting blocks that are going to be disenfranchised a lot in rural areas, especially if if the post office folds. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I hate to you know say that it's going to be interesting. What, what should happen is you're right. Everyone should have, be able to vote without risking their lives. That should just be the bottom line. And I hope we all work towards that. Yeah. Even if I thought it helped Republicans, I would still want everyone to have the right to vote. That's what this country is all about. 
hundred percent. And I've always said that everyone should just be opt in voting and, and <laughs> let's let's hear what the country really wants. Um, and, and if if it's if it's Trump, it's Trump, you know, uh, <laughs> at least everyone got a chance to vote. Well, thanks very much. I encourage everyone to listen to this episode uh, of the On Topic podcast. Renato, can you tell everyone where they can find your podcast and where they can find you on Twitter? Absolutely. So you can find On Topic with Renato Mariotti wherever you download your podcast, whether it's Apple or Google Play or Stitcher or anywhere else. Uh, if you want to look at past episodes or check out our guests, you can go to ontopicpodcast.com, which is all one word. And you can find me on Twitter at Renato underscore Mariotti. That's R-E-N-A-T-O underscore M-A-R-I-O-T-T-I. Awesome. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks, A.G. You guys take care and, and be safe. Uh, everyone, stay with us. We'll be right back. We've got the Good News Block coming up right after this quick break. So stick around. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Molecule. As we know, global air quality is steadily declining. Over 80% of people living in urban areas are exposed to air quality below World Health Organization standards. And according to the Environmental Protection Agency, indoor air can be up to five times worse, and most of us spend all of our time indoors right now, frankly. And thankfully, there's a company called Molecule that's reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. Today's uh, predominant air purification technology is the HEPA filter, and that has not been updated since World War II. <laughs> Uh, HEPA filters trap large pollutants. They have no effect on gaseous pollutants, while mold, spores, and viruses can remain viable on the surface of that filter. But Molecule has totally reinvented purification. Their core technology was developed to destroy indoor air pollutants at a molecular level, removing them from the air that you breathe. Molecule eliminates bacteria, mold, viruses, and the most microscopic of pollutants, volatile organic compounds, or VOCs, many of which are known carcinogens that concentrate in indoor air and negatively affect our health. Since Molecule launched, we've heard hundreds of stories from parents, pet lovers, and severe allergy and asthma sufferers about how Molecule technology has transformed their lives. Many customers report feeling more energized after getting the best night's sleep they've had in years. So for 10% off your first air purifier order, visit Molecule, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E dot com, and at checkout, enter Daily Beans, and you'll get 10% off. That's Molecule.com, promo code Daily Beans. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. And, of course, joining me today, welcome back, Jordan Coburn. Hey. Hello. Again? Hola again. It's been so long. <laughs> yes, it has. We have to keep meeting like this. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, this is sad. I have a picture of a holographic wolf in front of me, and I just stare into its eyes every time we talk. <laughs> oh, does it follow you around when you move? Kind of. A little bit it does, actually, yes. Its fur glistens under the fluorescent lighting in my apartment. Um, <laughs> but awesome. yes, yes, meeting like this is um, it's fun, but I can't wait till we can get back to in-studio banter. Yeah, agreed 100%. And I do have one little piece of good news for you before you hit the listener good news. Uh, possible win for the little guys. You know, the hundred or so publicly traded big ass companies that swooped in and grabbed most of that paycheck protection program money that was meant for small businesses. They're having a real tough time. They're having a really hard time. Most have been named and shamed into giving back their money. Ruth's Chris just returned their 20 million. We know Shake Shack gave theirs back. And now the Treasury... Steve has put a new rule in place for bigger companies. If you're a bigger company, you will have to prove you could not get the money elsewhere. And that is going to be very difficult for them to do as giant corporations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it will be. You're going to have to prove you don't have like 20 grandpas in your family <laughs> that funded the whole thing in the first place. <laughs> 20 grandpa's claws is what yes. it's called. <laughs> 20 grandpa's claws. Um, so I think that that's uh, really good news. Um, hopefully we'll be able to we'll be able to score a little paycheck protection program money this time uh, to help us out. Um, and I know I put out on Twitter, I said, hey, tell me if you've gotten your small business uh, administration PPP loan. We've actually had quite a few listeners who have been able to obtain uh, some of that money. And so it was, it was uh, a lot of people haven't, but a lot of people did. So it was sort of a bittersweet 
thread. And I was very excited to hear that a lot of small nonprofits with like 9, 10, 15 employees, um, and then a lot of listeners who work at small businesses have, have said that they are continuing to be able to work because their companies got the Paycheck, Paycheck Protection Program funding. So now step two is you got to be able to apply to have that loan forgiven. Um, to turn into a grant, which in order to do, you would have to have used it for payroll. And I hope that works because I've applied for some government relief programs before and been totally 100% qualified and been rejected. And one that comes to mind is the Federal Student Loan Forgiveness Program, where if you work for the government, uh, you after 10 years of payments, the rest, the, the, the balance is forgiven. And it's usually equivalent to the interest. Um, that you would pay. And I've been applying for that every year since I graduated uh, with my doctorate. And I've been rejected every year, even though I clearly and totally worked as a full-time career exempt employee for the fucking federal government. So it's, it's a, I'm just hoping that that phase of this process doesn't get botched up to put some beans on it being botched up unless we vote in November and put somebody in office that's not an asshole. So that is my little bit of good news. What do you have from the listeners? Uh, well, I have many good news bits from the listeners, starting with Matt. Matt says, news of good doing. Back in March, my company gave out $50 gift cards from local restaurants to all of its employees as a way to show support for the community. Today, we just got two more. There are over a thousand people in the company. We're overloaded with orders for the ventilator parts and other medical device parts we make, and it's absolutely amazing to see a company give that right back to both its employees and its community. Also, thanks to my continued employment, I've been able to redistribute my entire $1,200 stimulus check to people who aren't this lucky. I only hope the community efforts can become as contagious as the coronavirus. Yay! <laughs> Go, Matt! Thank you. Yes. Thank you for sending that in. Yeah, that is really, really cool. Um, Matt's the one that called Dr. Feel Good. He's going <laughs> to make it feel all right. Okay. Yes. I, also, on Newsom's press conference today he dropped a website for californians to sign up to volunteer and i'm trying to remember okay cool it's californiavolunteers.ca.gov and you can just sign up as a volunteer and basically there's check boxes you check off to see what stuff or fields you're interested in helping out in and then someone's supposed to connect with you to solicit your volunteerism and help so in the spirit of matt and being charitable and helpful. Check that website out if you're in California. And I'm sure one exists for everybody's state. Um, all right. Next from Anonymous. Good news. My cousin suffered liver and kidney failure last year and almost died. We just found out today that after a lot of hard work and pure grit, she is now on the transplant list. She's an amazing human and we are so proud of her. That's really Aww. good news. I'm really sorry that you've had to watch them go through that. But I'm really happy that they're seeing that progress now. That's fantastic. Um, from Josh, my five-year-old daughter has been handling these changes incredibly well until last week. She has broken down and cried several times, wanting to know when the sickness, in quotes, will get better. She really misses her friends. About two weeks ago, she colored a picture and mailed it to her best friend from class and has been asking why she hasn't heard back yet. We don't know the friend's parents, and it's been hard to try and explain to her that she might not get anything back. Well, just a bit ago, her mother took her on a car ride so they could talk and spend some time together. And guess what came in the mail while they were gone? I cannot wait to see her reaction to opening the mail from her friend. Aww. Oh, I hope you take a video. Yes. Cool. I would pen love to pals. see that. Aww. That's so cute. How cute. Thank you for that. Um, okay, our final piece of good news comes from Jen. Jen says, good news. Earlier this year, the state government in Indiana rescheduled our primary election from May 5th to June 2nd because of COVID-19. Also earlier this year, due to COVID-19, Republican state legislator passed, legislature passed a bill and the Republican governor signed it into law that allows any registered voter in any registered voter to vote absentee by mail without indicating a reason this is very good mm. news because normally when an indiana voter wants to vote with the absentee by mail ballot they've always been required to indicate a reason 
and the list of reasons is very small. This is the only case for the primary. This is only the case for the primary, though. So if you're an Indiana voter and you like this and want to make it permanent, then after the primary is over, contact your state representative and state senator and tell them that. You can find all the information you need to vote by mail on the state's voter portal, which is www.indianavoters.com. Scroll down to vote by mail or traveling board and click on get absentee forms. From there, you can print an application for an absentee ballot. Then after you fill it out, make sure you sign it. Then return your signed application to your local county election board no later than May 21st. You can return the signed application by mail, fax, in person, or even email. Important notice, this is only the application for the ballot, not the ballot itself. Once the, the county election board receives your application, then they will mail you the actual ballot. After you fill it out, your ballot must be received by your local county election board before June 2nd. Uh, to sum things up, ah. this <laughs> yes, this change is a very informative one. This change to absentee voting for the 2020 primary election is wonderful news because not only will it likely be safer for the people voting, but also because it will allow a lot more people to vote, especially disenfranchised voters, such as people of color, people who can't take off work, people who can't get a ride to their polling place, etc. So thank you to Indiana Republicans who have done at least one good thing for this state. And that is from Jen at yum underscore sprinkles on Twitter. Yum is with two M's. Mm-hmm. Excellent. We, I, we're, I was talking about that in the A block with you uh, way back in the introduction um, that, you know, some Republicans are actually pushing for vote by mail. And I hope that that I hope that that uh, becomes a trend uh, mm-hmm. and that Republicans realize that, that they'll lose voters, too, mm-hmm. if if they don't if they don't do this. Yeah, Definitely. All right, are you ready for quarantine confessions? Okay, first up for our quarantine confessions, we have Patty. Patty says, Yesterday's lunch consisted entirely of bacon and a brownie. It was excellent bacon and the most intensely chocolatey brownie that I've ever eaten. Fantastic. Mm. I love that. Yes. Yesterday, nice. all I ingested was uh, coffee, uh, honey roasted peanuts, some vanilla Oreos, and a handful of Cheez-Its. That was my mm. cuisine for uh, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday. Love it. <laughs> Bacon sitting on top of a brownie is almost a direct reenactment of the life's, uh, the life of the pig just sitting on mounds of dirt. It's kind of a meta art food at that point (laughs) it's art it's very artistic (laughs) yes that's very cool (laughs) Uh, next from anonymous i feel really bad about this but i actually love this quarantine period it sounds horrible the thing is i've been a victim of what's called academic harassment for the past eight years my boss ignores me humiliates me and makes degrading remarks the thought of seeing him makes me extremely anxious he retires in two years and every week of quarantine is one week closer to his retirement i'm happily working for my safe home Ugh, I'm so sorry you have to deal with that. That fucking sucks. Uh, yeah, I I understand that sort of hostile, terrible work environment, and I'm I'm glad that you get to be away from it, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's just for a short time. And and if he retires, maybe he'll retire sooner. Yeah, I wonder if he's just like ordering around his pots and pans or something, with no people to verbally abuse. What does he do? Mm. What does he do with mm. all of his shitty energy? Yeah, working all day for a mean little man with a clip-on tie and a rub-on tan. He's got me running around the office like a hamster on a wheel. He can tell me what to do, but he can't tell me what to feel. Yeah. (laughs) What is that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, Julie, by Fountains of Wayne. Oh, Fountains of Wayne. I totally, what? I only know one of their songs. And I can't Stacey's remember. Stacy's mom has oh, got that's it them. going okay, on. Okay, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Got it. The guy that passed away <laughs> then. Yeah, yeah. We lost him to coronavirus, unfortunately, and very sadly. That is sad. Well, that was a lovely rendition. Um, thank you for your quarantine confession. I'm kind of with you on finding a lot of restorative nature in this period outside of all of the horrifying aspects of it. I definitely feel like it has been a forced break from so many things i don't think i really even realized i needed a break from but i hope that some people are able to get some of those benefits throughout all of this despite all of the really really awful parts i understand 
It is a hierarchy of yep. needs that needs to be met so, for people to typically be able to uh, revel in the good stuff. But I hope you're able to find that in some way. Yes, Somehow. Maslow's silver linings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, next from Liz. As I'm sure is the case of most people, my family of four is generating a lot more trash and recycling that needs to be picked up from home. This is problematic for me because the trash out... Uh, the trash out requires remembering what day it is um putting the trash out requires remembering Ah. what day it is and who the fuck even knows that anymore for us the stakes are higher with recycling which only comes every other week (laughs) oh no (laughs) this morning at about 7 15 i was lying in bed when i heard that not so distant rumble of the recycling truck i yelled fuck jumped out of bed grabbed the recycling bin in the kitchen raced outside dumped it in the outside bin which i dragged to the curb literally seconds before the truck picked it up (laughs) i just imagined her hanging on still by one hand as it's like picking it up (laughs) 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 it was (laughs) It was all very dramatic and probably the biggest adrenaline rush I've had in a month. I like to imagine it all happening in slow motion with the chariots of fire music playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or the 2001 Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. That's so great. funny. I love that. Um, okay. We have we have one, two, three, four, five. We have six more. Do you want me to... All right. Do okay, let's do it. All right. Next up from Jason. This morning after breakfast, I threw my water glass into the trash and was about to put my paper plate into the dishwasher. <laughs> Standing there staring at the open dishwasher, I thought, this is it. It's time to just walk into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Did he say that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> time to just walk into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> oh god awesome. that's so funny yeah i love that I, I love that he did he almost did the total switcheroo not only did he put one thing in the wrong place he put the other thing that was supposed to go there in the place the other thing was supposed to go normally i feel mm-hmm. like you just fuck up once but he had a sandwich fuck up a fuck up sandwich that's amazing mm-hmm. uh, um Love it. Keep it up. Next up, from Anonymous. In the before times, I joined a swingers club in a city I went to regularly for work, and now in quarantine, they've started doing sexy Zoom happy hours. As a man on my own, I needed something to contribute, so I've been doing striptease dances, which have gotten more and more elaborate. That's even There's even <laughs> lip syncing, rehearsals, and costumes. Thank you for reporting the news with just the right amount of humor and rage. Love you, ladies. Fuck yes! I feel like... <laughs> That is I need to see this. I have to see this. That is such a good use of your time. Oh Mm. my god. I love that. I'm so happy you can still find that. That is what Zoom was made for. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. I follow uh I did a comedy show once. I was like a on a comic at this burlesque show. It was like a very interesting format. But the host of the show he was an amazing burlesque dancer, and I follow him on Instagram. He's his username is Cuban Missile Crisis, and I know like, that guy. We, yes. we did it at the Ooh La La Review. Yes, exactly. I've done that show. He puts he puts tassels on his butt cheeks. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and I, I and love I, that guy. Yeah, he's so funny, and he's really good at what he does. And I've been watching his things on Instagram. Like he'll go live and do burlesque shows, and it's it's so fun. So. In that same vein, uh, everybody should, yeah, go follow all the butts. I love it. All right. If that's your thing, you know. Uh, Okay. Next from Tim. Quarantine confession. These days I'm working out in my backyard with minimal equipment, including two dumbbells I managed to buy last month despite a huge rush to clean out sporting goods stores when all the gyms closed. My dumbbell sits, sets usually involve them both, but when I use only one, I am conscientious about alternating them so neither dumbbell gets jealous. My girlfriend is currently out of town. <laughs> I love the I love that little bit of alternating. I'm very about that balance. As a matter of fact, I have a, a weird pair of slippers, right? Like I, I bought them like probably five months ago, six months ago. Uh, and they're just gray, like sweater knit slippers with little gray fluffy pom poms on the toes. And they are designated for left and right feet. So it's not like a, you know, you can put it on whatever foot. One is for your left foot, and one is for your right foot. And every time I pick up a slipper to check to see what letter is on the bottom for what foot it goes on, it's always the left foot. And it has been, it's always 100% of the time. And I've worn these slippers at least 100 times. And every single time I pick up the left slipper, Every time. Interesting. 
Very interesting how that stuff works out, isn't it? Yeah, and I feel like the right one is very, very upset about that. And every time I go to grab one now, I'm like, come on, right right slipper. Nope. Mm-hmm. I wonder, there's got to be some sort of psychological explanation for that that's like so subtle. You couldn't even think about what it would be. But there's got to be something because that's, that's so weird. That defies logic. I think that that's like I'm, I, I've learned the lesson of the book The Secret, but I'm just applying mm. it to stupid things. <laughs> to slippers think about what you want live it breathe it and you will pick up the left slipper each time <laughs> like fuck that's, that's the best i can do right? <laughs> like, be the change you want to see in the world it's always the left slipper that's it that's funny um all right well that's great tim thank you for that confession next is from karen Karen says, quarantine confession, there's nobody I'd rather be in the bunker with is what passes for sweet talk these days at my house. (laughs) Totally. I agree. It is kind of like um, funny pickup lines we're saying to to our significant others. Like, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's it's hard to be extra romantic in such apocalyptic times. Mm hmm. Um, that's funny though i feel that next up from danielle danielle says don't smoke a bowl and then put your mask on i wonder why because it's scary or because your breath smells like weed or because what i always learned in high school was put put a gas mask on and smoke weed into the gas mask yes i wonder if maybe Maybe she's saying, like, she took a hit and then put her gas mask on and then tried to, like, blow it out. Maybe it went up her nose. I don't know. Like, pepper. I don't know. (laughs) And she sneezed. (laughs) Freshy pepper? Like a pepper at the nose? Yeah, I don't know. You want the freshy pepper? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yes, me neither. But, hey... Hey, I'll take it. I'll 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 take that warning. I won't do that. Me too. I will not either. I also have not been smoking. I switched entirely to edibles because I'm paranoid as fuck. So I've just been about your lungs, yeah. Yeah, I've just been eating weed, and then, I mean, it's kind of weed makes you anxious, so my lungs wind up inflaming out of fear anyway. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good cycle we got going on. We got an agreement, me and my body. Uh, all right, next from Lisa. We are, like everyone else, doing homeschool. I gave my seven-year-old daughter a one-word research project. Just cucumber is the word. Mm-hmm. She diligently researched cucumbers, took many <laughs> took many illegible notes, and discovered many interesting facts. Like, for example, it is a fruit we use as a vegetable. The cucumber is the fourth most widely grown field vegetable in the world, and one of the few flowering fruits... That was a fun thing to say. Few flowering fruits... That has had its genome sequenced. During our scheduled Zoom meeting, my daughter told her teacher she had been working on a project about cucumbers. And when asked what she had learned, my seven-year-old replied in an authoritative voice, They are good for hangovers. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. Excellent. That's so freaking good. That's good to know, too. I didn't know they were. I wonder if by proxy then pickles are good for hangovers because I have a new, uh, I have a new routine. If that's the case, yes. Uh, that's so funny. I love that. I love all of these. These are great, everybody. Thank you. We got a healthy response from folks, and we love that. So send in your quarantine confessions and your good news. You can check us out on Twitter at Daily Beans Pod and uh, tweet them at us there. Yep, and uh, we will be live tomorrow for the Q&A Cocktail Hour. It's going to be a music theme, uh, so, uh, you know, bring your songs or I don't know. I don't, you, you, Whatever you feel, whatever moves you uh, regarding music. I say keyboard tie, necktie, um, mm. but, you know, Ooh. I think Mugatu invented that. Ooh, Mugatu? If everyone did <laughs> Mugatu hair, that'd be pretty fucking funny. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yes. Do you want a treat? Yes. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And thanks to all of the uh, great response we got for the new confessional, quarantine confessional music. I knew I would do you, I would do right by you. Uh, <laughs> I, I knew I would pick one that you would like. So you're welcome for that. You're great at picking songs. 
songs well, that capture moments and references. You have a fucking library of shit in your brain. Just a, <laughs> yeah, it's it blows my mind. <sighs> yeah, no, but all the important stuff. Lee, I don't know where my car is, but I can <laughs> tell you what they say in Monty Python and the Holy Grail when they're banging their heads with books. Yes. Um. All right. Well, that's the show. Any final thoughts, Jordan? Uh, just plugging my side podcast project. Uh, if you're not doing anything over the weekend after you've listened to all of Militia and Daily Beans, check out my new podcast. Uh, I disagree. You can follow us on Twitter at the I disagree pod. Yeah. Who was your uh, latest guest? I, I somebody that I know. I was gonna say Dustin Nickerson. Yeah. Someone. Yeah. Someone that. Yes. Someone that I know. You know. Yeah. He's he's great. He's so funny. And he came from church comedy, which is very interesting because he has an incredibly like dry and kind of dark sense of humor, but he's he works clean and he's just an incredible human and very funny. But we talk about plane etiquette, proper plane etiquette. We argue about that shit. Uh, we argue about if your political opinions are ever really your own or if they're more so attributed to your upbringing and the people around you. And it was a really nice conversation. We have a, a, a nice spread of political opinions in that one. And it was one of our funnier episodes, too. So check it out on iTunes. I disagree. Uh, or Google Play, wherever. And if you could like us and rate us and subscribe and everything, that would be sick. Yeah. You guys will love Dustin Nickerson. He's truly an incredible dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a lot of shows with that guy. He's one of the funniest, funniest comics I've ever worked with. So yes. check it out. Absolutely. Thank um, you. I have no other podcasts. You have Awful Neutral, right? Oh, hey, you're right. I do. <laughs> I am part of a of a of a Dungeons and Dragons, a role playing game uh, podcast. We play Call of Cthulhu. We play D and D Classic. We just we smash the cannon. Fuck it all. Rules are stupid. And we, um, yeah, if you like rules for the D and D, if you're really a stickler about it, don't you don't want to listen to this. <laughs> and uh, we do Kids on Bikes, which is like a based on Stranger Things, which is a really fun RPG if you if you haven't played it yet. And uh, that's Awful Neutral or at Awful DND, DND on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that you will like it. But a handful of comedians uh, playing role playing games. Yes. You know, it's very entertaining. Like winners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not at all like the very circumstances that led to us being comedians in the first place with no friends <laughs> and <laughs> totally <laughs> a wild. Although I will say D&D and role playing games are getting cool. Like they're making a comeback. So is- I feel sort of. Yeah. That sort of hip. That is true. I see them like referencing it in Urban Outfitters and places that such miscreants frequent nowadays. Nah, man, if it, if this turns top 40, I'm bailing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Urban Outfitters is top 40 cloaked in a 41. <laughs> it is definitely yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Jordan, for reading those, and and thanks for everyone f- uh, to everyone for sending them in. Thank you to our patrons for supporting us. We'll see you tomorrow at the cocktail hour, and uh, please, everyone, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>